Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with the latest in labor strikes, move on to why the Republicans are burning the house down, and follow all of that up with a new installment in our ongoing docuseries, Who Hasn't Donnie Two Scoops Told Our National Secrets To? (laughs) Let's begin, shall we? In case you didn't know, President Joe Biden just found a way to forgive an additional $9 billion in student debt which is a relief to millions of college-educated Americans who know their interest rates on that student loan is what's been keeping them from finally paying the whole fucking thing off in the first place. And if you're curious, why don't we take a look at what's happening over at Scab Barrymore Show now that the writer's strike is over. Roll tape. More turmoil surrounding the Drew Barrymore talk show. Tonight, multiple media outlets reporting the show's three writers have declined to return to that New York-based talk show. Barrymore facing fallout for planning to bring her show back before the writer's strike was resolved. Her three head writers say they will not return when the show resumes. Well, they're interviewing replacement writers right now, but her three co-head writers said Drew Barrymore, no more. But WGA writers Chelsea White, Christina Kinnan, and Liz Coe have turned down an offer to return. White, Kinnan, and Co. were visible and vocal in their protest during the show's initial return to production in mid-September, picketing outside of Drew's Manhattan studio on multiple days. And just like the old saying goes, once a scab, always a scab. And good for those three writers for refusing to work for an actress who is an active member of SAG-AFTRA, who is still striking even though contract negotiations have resumed. Guess when you're sitting on all that cash for being a Nepo baby, you couldn't care less about your fellow actors getting a fair deal. But don't forget, kiddies, this story has a moral. It was just a week after Drew Tradermore retracted her picket line crossing stunt that has now cost her three head writers that WGA struck a deal with the studios ending the strike. If only Drew had waited seven days to make her return to television instead of during the strike, she might have her three head writers back at work right now. But no, that's not how out-of-touch millionaires do things. (laughs) And in We're Not Gonna Take It news, Kaiser Permanente is learning the hard way why more than 75,000 workers have walked out and are refusing to return to work until the company figures out how to hire more people. So thousands of healthcare workers across the country are striking for a second day in what their union is calling the largest strike of its kind in American history. Kaiser Permanente workers walked off the job in five states and right here in D.C. Hoping their bosses will listen to their concerns about patient safety, overworking and understaffing. We're talking about licensed vocational nurses, x-ray technicians and lots of other frontline workers. The union is asking for better working conditions and a $25 an hour minimum wage. Kaiser has offered $21 to $23 an hour. That's just above what fast food workers will soon make in California. 
okay, okay, let's not get cheeky over the fair wages of those we all agreed were essential workers during the pandemic in order to prove the point that Kaiser Permanente is a greedy corporation. Because a fair wage for services rendered is a right that we should all benefit from, which is why we're seeing strike after strike after strike. Writers, actors, auto workers, hospitality workers, bartenders, and now medical workers. Funny thing is, workers from all these different industries are all complaining about the same problems at work. Understaffing, poverty wages, and insulting health benefits. Meanwhile, the companies that say they can't afford to pay their workers more or fully staff their businesses or offer decent health care benefits are also simultaneously touting record profits, paying their executives tens of millions of dollars in bonuses and raising their annual salaries by millions as well. See, this is what intelligent people call bullshit. But let me explain using corporate math. In 2022, Kaiser saw a loss of $4.5 billion dollars and executives were like, holy shit, there goes our bonuses. So Kaiser decided to lay off thousands of workers, not replace them though, and continue paying poverty wages to the workers they didn't cut while extending their hours because a company's got to get their money's worth. Am I right? And wouldn't you know it, in 2023, Kaiser has already made back $2.08 billion in profits, and all thanks to corporate math. And now for something completely different. As you may have heard, the United States government is still open for business thanks to Kevin McCarthy cutting a deal with the Democrats to keep the lights on for at least the next 45 days. The United States government will not shut down, at least not for another 45 days. The House Speaker uh, had his back up against the wall, it seems. He was not going to get anywhere with his Republican conference alone. They were, there was just too much infighting going, going on inside the conference. And so he had to work with Democrats to get this done here. This all comes, Jake, as the tension was palpable among some of the Republicans. The fate of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is uncertain at this time, as hardliners in his party are pushing for his ouster. Do you still Ukraine support him as Speaker? I have my questions. I have my doubts. We cannot blame the Democrats for having not done our job. Oh boy, this did not go well with maggot Republicans in the House who made a deal with the worst Kevin back when they were locked in 15 rounds of voting for Speaker of the House over nine months ago. <laughs> and apparently, crossing the streams was not part of the pact Kevin made with those maggots because Seven Head from Florida and alleged child sex trafficker Representative Matt Gates had a shit fit on the House floor after the government shutdown was averted. The future of Kevin McCarthy's speakership is in peril after he teamed up with Democrats to avert a government shutdown. Well, this morning, Congressman Matt Gates says that he is moving forward with a motion to vacate to try to oust McCarthy as speaker. I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. He uh, says he's coming for you. Can you survive? Yes, I'll survive. <laughs> Famous last words there, Kevin, because less than 24 hours later... 
for the first time in the history of American democracy and the first Congress of 1789, the Speaker of the House has been removed from his position as the leader of the chamber. By a vote of 216 to 210, lawmakers booted Speaker Kevin McCarthy, throwing the House into chaos and into unprecedented territory. On this vote, the yeas are 216, the nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Holy forking shirt balls. Kevin has been voted off the island, leaving the position of third in line for the presidency vacant. Well, sort of. Thanks to the Latin phrase pro tempore, we have a for the time being speaker and proficient bow tie wearer, Representative Patrick McHenry from North Carolina. McHenry and Kevin are besties, evidenced by the fact that McHenry voted for the newly fired speaker all 15 times back in January of this year, and they've had a workplace bromance ever since. So now that they've got the speaker position temporarily filled, it's time for everyone's favorite, the blame game, House Representatives edition, of course. First up is the worst Kevin himself appearing on Face the Nation, on the heels of the Democrats doing the rep formerly known as Speaker a solid with the whole government shutdown aversion, saying some bullshit like this on national television. Most of it in the press probably thought we would have shut down yesterday, too. But no, we did, did not. Were you confident we wouldn't shut down? I was confident I could get something on the floor to make sure the option that we would not. But that you were sure military... it was going to pass. Well, well, I wasn't sure it was going to pass. You want to know why? Because the Democrats tried to do everything they can not to let it pass. They did Democrats were the ones who voted did you, for this did you in a did larger you watch number it? than Republicans to, to keep the continuing resolution alive. Democrats stick together, government. but they did not want the bill. They did not. They, they were willing to let government shut down for our military not to be paid. No, I wasn't. We are going to make sure we keep it open while we finish the job we're supposed to do. No wonder this guy was fired from his last job. The Kevin, formerly known as Speaker, said that just days after the entire Democratic caucus voted to keep the government open for 45 days while Republicans we're supposed to kind of, I don't know, get their shit together? So is it any wonder when it came time to vote for who will speak for them all, Democrats voted along with Republicans to fire Kevin. The only problem with leaving a gaping hole in governmental leadership is apparently anyone can fill it. And by anyone, I mean anyone. We now have two official candidates for speaker, Steve Scalise, who just announced, and Jim Jordan, who already has multiple endorsements in his bid to replace Kevin McCarthy, Representative Daryl Issa, Jim Banks, even Matt Gates himself. So far, there have been a few names. So remember, it doesn't necessarily have to be a member of Congress either. Um, true. So could be me. It, it'll be very interesting <laughs> to see who it could be moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, an interesting point. I, I'm glad you brought that up, that it doesn't have to be a, a member of the House. It could be 
someone else. Maybe rhymes with Trump. Who knows? Sources telling me at this hour some House Republicans have been in contact with and have started an effort to draft former President Donald Trump to be the next speaker. And I have been told uh, that uh, President Trump might be open to helping the Republican Party, at least in the short term, if necessary. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. All the no's. I get that this is Al-Qaeda's wet dream to have the former oaf in office running the House of Representatives. But need I remind everyone, this rambling pile of YMCA hole has a hard time stringing together a coherent sentence, which makes him the first worst candidate to replace the worst Kevin. The second worst candidate to replace the worst Kevin is January 6th committee subpoena dodging and pedophile adjacent former Ohio State coach, Representative Jim Jordan. Why? Well, I'll let Liz Cheney, Republican Liz Cheney, explain. Jim Jordan knew more about what Donald Trump had planned for January 6th than any other member of the House of Representatives. And if the Republicans decide that Jim Jordan should be the Speaker of the House, um, there will, and I, by the way, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll lose. But if they were to decide that, there would no longer be any possible way to argue that a group of elected Republicans could be counted on to defend the Constitution. Republican Liz Cheney, the daughter of a literal dick who is a former vice president, is no longer in public office herself. So I guess spilling the tea at a podium in front of a live University of Minnesota audience is okay. And let's be honest, folks, Liz ain't wrong. Remember, Maggot Jordan spoke with Comrade Pumpkinfuhrer for 10 minutes the morning of the insurrection on January 6th. Then he marched his inbred ass to the Capitol to proceed to object to the certification of the 2020 election vote after the poorly educated army went home. At the time, insurrectionist Jim denied speaking with Clown Ligula on January 6th to the press but then he flipped his story and said that they may have spoken, but he couldn't remember for sure. And now you know why totally not guilty of neglecting to report the insurrection plans he knew Girth Vader was planning Jordan has refused to comply with a subpoena from the Congressional January 6th Committee since May 12th of 2022. Sounds to me like having Trader Jordan as Speaker of the House would be a democracy-ending decision, considering his last side hustle was to participate in the attempted overthrow of the United States government. And why this should be a huge red flag to you. Overnight, former President Trump announced he wants Representative Jim Jordan to replace ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He called Jordan a star, writing that he is strong on crime, borders, our military vets, and Second Amendment. He will be a great Speaker of the House and has my complete and total endorsement. Jordan is a close Trump ally, leading the impeachment inquiry into President Biden, famous for his combative style and a staunch Trump defender during both of Mr. Trump's impeachments. Yeah, like I said, 
Putting fascist-friendly Jim in the House Speaker position looks more like one of those fall of democracy signs we stupidly ignored our children will be learning about in school in 40 years. From the fascist perspective, of course. I know that because history tells us that fascists are attracted to other fascists. Hitler has a daisy chain with Mussolini and Stalin, and now Butternut Berlusconi has seditious Jordan. And while we're on the subject of Cheeto Von Dictator, New York is where justice happens. Dingus Khan's going out of business bench trial began with as much old man got caught complaining as you'd expect. And here's a montage of old yeller yelling at the press outside the courtroom on day one. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. She said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. People are being murdered all over the sidewalks of New York. If I didn't run, I'd be sitting right now at a beach like Biden does every time, even though he's supposed to be working. They have one property that's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 times what this judge put down as a value. Coca-Cola, take a look at their value. They have a value. The value of their brand is more than everything else put together. One other thing. We have a clause in the contract which tells, essentially, buyer beware. When you take a look at the financial statement, don't believe anything you read. Do not believe anything. If I weren't running, I wouldn't have any of these cases. I wouldn't be seeing you this morning. Oh, come on. You never saw a camera you didn't like. <laughs> and by the way, who puts a buyer beware clause on their financial statements? <laughs> Spoiler alert, no one does. Because a company's financial statement is not a sales contract. But let's take Eric Stad at his word, and no one should believe anything his financial statements say. That doesn't mean the fraud father isn't liable for what he said in a written statement of what he's got and what it's worth. Because he used those financial statements to get loans from banks. And that's not my opinion. The judge in the case agrees. Manhattan Judge Arthur Angoran found the former president and his two oldest sons and their companies liable for fraud. The judge found Trump, quote, repeatedly submitted fraudulent financial documents about the value of his assets to banks and other insurance companies, and that his financial statements were, quote, based in a fantasy world, not the real world. The attorney general's team sought to convince the judge in this case that Trump should be barred from doing business in the state of New York. The former president could eventually lose control of iconic properties like Trump Tower. Is it clear, does he have $250 million if that was a, an actual penalty that the company was to pay? I'm not sure how liquid he is at the moment and whether he could pay that, but this is obviously a big question is what his actual assets are. That is a big question, and we're about to find out. Well, not on this show, but soon. And to quell confusion over what the tangerine ball bag actually owns, the name Trump has been removed from buildings leasing the name because the brand ain't worth the paper it was written on. So that leaves a select group of properties that the tiny-handed grifter actually owns and used Trump math to appraise. <laughs> and what is Trump math, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you did. I'm happy to explain. Trump math 
is when your Florida retirement golf course is worth $18 million, but you tell the bank it's worth $426 million because you don't need a loan. Or when the lying orange makes up shit on his financial statements, such as apartments in his building on Park Avenue in New York are worth $750 million when they've actually been appraised for just $62 million because some crackpot buyer beware clause. <laughs> That's Trump math. But my favorite part of the first episode of Law and Old Donald was when he whined to the press about how not having a jury trial is very unfair and he should have been given a jury trial because this is America. And while it is true that everyone has the option to have a jury trial, what isn't true is that a jury trial is automatic in New York because apparently you have to check off a box to get a jury trial. And well... It also seems that he doesn't, and this has happened to him before, have a top-notch legal team with him. He has the one lawyer who he had to pay in advance because he stiffs everybody. And then he has Alina Haba, who gives a great cable news hit, and she's been on Jesse's show a bunch of times. But it seemed that she forgot, or just I don't know what happened, to check the box saying that they wanted a jury trial. And then Donald Trump is complaining to the cameras and on Truth Social that it is un-American to have a trial without a jury, when his own crackpot team asked for that. Yeah, well, you get what you pay for, don't you? (laughs) Let that be a lesson to all you Fox Not A News Channel viewers, because that's where Scrooge McSchmuck got that lawyer who didn't check the box for jury trial when she filed the documents in court. Oh, and I don't buy for a second that Dumpster Fire didn't know his lawyer was a fuck-up because he was quick to blame the legal system, the judge, and even the prosecutor to the press, like no one can look at the real and totally public filings in this case and see that the box wasn't checked off. (laughs) Clearly, Donnie Two Scoops' attorney did not check the box so he doesn't get a jury trial. It's not unfair, it's incompetence. But the fun doesn't stop there, my friends. Day three of Sol Kogan's going out of business bench trial was the best because that's when Walker Tax Evader admitted to the press to committing tax fraud. And he did this, folks, in front of a live press-filled audience, much to the chagrin of one host of Fox, never was a news channel. They're going to go after you for fraud. But he's even, he admitted today in one of his press conferences that he committed tax fraud. The guy is doing really? a campaign. Yes, really. He said, oh, oh come and- on. And by the way, my financial documents are valued much less than my actual value, which nobody even knows. But the financial documents that I gave to the bank are much less than my actual net worth. So therefore, I gave them to the bank. Now it comes out. It comes out. 
You know, it's it's times like these that I I feel bad for his attorneys. They they took the money or they took the check in lieu of the money. But still, <laughs> that poorly educated schmuck just admitted to submitting doctored numbers on financial statements when seeking a loan from a bank. Is it any wonder the judge in this case already ruled on partial summary judgment, saying that by the sheer evidence presented by Attorney General Letitia James, that corrupt motherfucker is already guilty. And here he is, on what can only be described as a facepalm moment in front of journalists and their cameras, admitting to doing the thing that he was accused and convicted of doing. <laughs> no wonder Forbes kicked this overbronze gourd off their 400 richest people in America list, because clearly he is not. And you know what else? Dolt 45 isn't. Someone who should be trusted with United States military secrets. And no, I am not talking about that time in 2021 when Trader Orange showed an Iranian attack plan he requested from his former cabinet, General Milley, and then kept after he left office and then showed to a bunch of people who definitely did not have security clearances. No, no, no. I'm talking about the time in 2021 when Walker Classified Document Stealer shared nuclear submarine capabilities with some fakakta billionaire from Australia. Roll tape. Breaking news in the investigation into former President Trump's handling of classified documents. Trump allegedly discussed potentially sensitive information about U.S. nuclear submarines with an Australian billionaire who was a member of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Florida. Former president allegedly shared data about the nation's nuclear submarine fleet with a foreign member of his Mar-a-Lago Club back in April of 2021. His name is Anthony Pratt. Pratt, according to sources, told the special counsel's team that when he heard this information, he later went on to share it with scores of other people. This includes a dozen foreign officials, multiple diplomats, some reporters. This is not just any intelligence. This is what we call actionable intelligence. In other words, it's information that allows our foreign adversaries to react to our military capabilities. Well, this is becoming a pattern, and apparently all it took was a billionaire owner of a packaging corporation buying a Marglago membership, then suggesting Australia buy submarines from the United States, and Mayor McTreason starts spilling the beans about exactly how many nuclear warheads our U.S. submarines are equipped with on any given day. Oh, and by the way, he also told him how close U.S. naval submarines can get to a Russian sub without being detected. It's unfortunately that easy. Listen, I want to talk to all the 74 million insurrection-adjacent Americans that voted for the Commander-in-Cheese back in 2020. You deserve a slap in the face for wanting a sequel to Who Stole the U.S. Government Secrets Before Getting Voted Out of Office? And I know, I know, it's not popular to blame voters for what those that they elect to do, do once they're in office, but I never really cared about being popular. If you voted for a Republican, Scooby-Coo, or the plethora of maggots in any election, whether it's state or federal, in the past seven years, you are enabling part of the problem. Maybe you shouldn't do that. 
And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. Follow the show on social media wherever you can find us. The show is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And thanks again for listening to this show. Today for now.